For F1 News, I'm Josh Durso, and this is Inside the Finger Lakes. Today, we are talking with Cindy Wade, former Canandaigua City Councilor. She recently announced her bid to succeed longtime Assemblyman Brian Kolb in the 131st District. Cindy, welcome to you. Well, thank you, Josh, and thanks for having me. Okay, so the, the first and probably the easiest question I'll throw at you is the why. Mm-hmm. Uh, why are you running, and, and why did now feel like the right time? You know, that is an excellent question. Um, I did talk with, uh, I've known Brian Kolb for a long time and really supported all the great work he's done down in, in Albany. Um, our region is so much better off for having Brian as our representative. Uh, I did talk to Brian three years ago when he was running for governor, and he said, Cindy, you know, I think you'd be an excellent candidate. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I found out he wasn't running, I called him and I said, Brian, and he said, Cindy, you would be an excellent assemblywoman. So he said, but think about why. And so I said, well, first of all, I have uh, worked my whole career in uh, local government as the only Republican in a, on a nine-person council. And I have been able to bring people together, to work together, to bring together facts, to show them that it doesn't have to be partisan. We need to focus on what is really best for our community and so I got to thinking about the high taxes that we pay in New York State, the uh, laws such as the Farm Act law that was just passed that's, that's really, really terribly impacting our um, farmers, which is one of our biggest um, industries in the state. And just this consistent uh, trend that I see of bills and laws being passed without doing any due diligence, no research, no follow-up, no, no uh, risk assessment to see how it's going to impact not only, you know, Joe down in New York City, but Sam up in Buffalo and Jen up in the water, water town. We have to understand anytime anyone does any type of project in business, you do a thorough, thorough research before, afterwards, and you have a whole implementation plan. And then you check to make sure that it's working afterwards. It's not just a, okay, let's pass it and get it done. So there's just a few of my few of my starting points. Before we get into issues and stuff like that, I'm really curious. Um, when you look at, at the city council experience, mm-hmm. uh, what are what do you kind of see as the as the areas where there is a really like strong translation to what you'll be able to accomplish in Albany if elected? Um, to that work that that you obviously did and, and did well. I, personally, I worked very well, and I stayed for four terms yeah. with the majority of the Democrats, and I did that by by gaining respect from them all, and and they, I gained the respect because I am a researcher, I'm a doer, I learn, and I present the facts all the time. Never would I ever say, I feel this way or I think this way. I would say, I'm stating my position and these are the following facts and reasons why. So taking that approach, I really think that you can translate it to Albany. I'm not there as a, as a political statement or any gain for myself. I'm really there to fight for the region. And people in Canandaigua continued to reelect me because they knew that I was a fighter for them. Um, I think probably the, the next thing that I would say is that um, I enjoy being the underdog. 
I enjoy the fight. And I, I am patient, as you said, but I'm scrappy. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I, I look forward to meeting the new, new assembly people. There's a lot of races up. And I really think that we can all form a, some type of voter coalition or voter block mm-hmm. that we can all work together for what's best for our upstate region because we know it's completely different than our downstate. One of the, uh, one of the criticisms that we have heard from uh, the, the Democratic side as this process starts to take, full, take mm-hmm. shape is the argument of why do we want to elect another voice to be in the minority? Mm-hmm. Why not elect someone in the majority who maybe can get more money or more legislation or whatever the case may be? What is your, how do you sort of debunk that or how do you take that conversation and, and turn it into an opportunity for the district if you are elected? That is a great question. Really appreciate that question. Um, and, and I really truly believe that no one should have a D or an R or an I or C or whatever after their name. I believe that each person is elected to represent their region and needs to focus and work together to make what's best for the region. Um, and I, I really don't buy that because actually this region is, the majority is Republican in this district. So I think that um, Republican thoughts, values, ideals should be re- represented for this district. Um, and I really don't go with the, well, let's go along with the gang theory. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel bad that if all the Democrats think that they need to vote a certain way and all the Republicans think that they need to vote a certain way, that's not, that's not how it should be. It should be do your research, talk to your constituents, understand exactly what's going on in your region and what the impact of this vote is going to have, and then bring your facts to the meeting and then, you know what, work together to understand. How, how do you cut through the noise? Albany is a very noisy place. I'm sorry, say that again? <laughs> yeah, Albany is a very noisy place oh, in terms yeah. of just the way government functions. How do you cut through that and, and sort of make sure that, that not only government, the wheels of government are turning, so to speak, but also that the things you set out to do or the things you want to accomplish, you're able to accomplish? Another good question. So getting to Albany, if it's noisy, that doesn't bother me at all. I am a fighter. I'm a doer. And whenever I say I'm going to do something, I do it. There's no way that I would not. Uh, So when I set out to accomplish something, uh, everyone is going to know it, and they're going to get a presentation with all the facts in it, and I am going to be right after them all throughout till they can understand and to be there to answer any questions. And again, I want to go back to the voter block. I think it's really important that we it doesn't have to be partisan. I don't even want it to be partisan. It needs to be bipartisan where a group of us will say, you know what, this is our region, our state, and we need to do really what's best for our region. And I really think when it comes down to it, Look at downstate. The, the requirements and living conditions, everything is completely different than it is upstate. And maybe it, sometimes I think it's almost like the Civil War, the North versus the South. But I really think that it's really important that maybe when we 
put laws together, do bills, do different ordinances, resolutions, that we say, you know what, this is a piece for downstate, and then this is the piece for upstate, because one size does not fit all. Mm-hmm. And any time the upstate-downstate divide comes up, equity is always one of the one of the big questions. How do you achieve that equity for upstate? Um, but also at the same time, one of the one of the rather unique things, I guess, about this particular district is that it is so uh, rurally dominant, mm-hmm. and that also tends to be it's it's sort of one of those things in the news. We can sit back and say, well. You know, there's quite a bit of difference between downtown Geneva, downtown Canandaigua, and, you know, frankly, the rest of, of the 131st. Mm-hmm. Um, so taking that into account, how do you sort of bridge the gap, not only between upstate, downstate, but rural and urban? What is urban for our, uh, for our region? You know, that's a good question. And I, I've never really thought of it as there being a gap. Mm-hmm. So... Um, that's that's a great question and i really would have to come back and revisit that i've never you know i live in the city of canadagua i used to live in the town of Mm canadagua but i've never seen it as a gap the only i see the strengths of both regions you know the strength of the vibrant downtown the strengths of the um strong agriculture we have so i guess i'm i'm not seeing I'm not seeing a gap there, so I'm not sure right. how to approach a bridge. So uh, let's talk about some of the, the issues that are undoubtedly going to come up uh, throughout this whole process. Uh, I'm going to throw out a, a topic mm-hmm. and just sort of give us an idea of, of sort of where you stand and, and where you enter uh, where you enter the discussion. Um, first and foremost, environment, harmful algal blooms, water health. Um, in Canandaigua, you guys have plenty of experience with this topic. Mm-hmm. Um, walk us through a little bit of where your headspace is on this particular issue and what you think Albany should be doing uh, to help not only communities like Canandaigua, but you know all of the other communities that are upstate that are feeling this, this issue, it seems, more and more every year. I just missed the one statement you said about when you first started. You said... Harmful algal blooms. Harmful HABs. Oh, I'm sorry. I still okay. uh, couldn't. Uh, Got to kick the old ear in, I guess, huh? Uh, you know, that's a great question. Uh, the state, I would hope, would be doing a lot more. In Canandaigua, uh, we're very lucky in that the Canandaigua watershed does a fabulous job monitoring mm-hmm. our lake. We do have trouble in the summer with the blue green algae and things like that that come in. What I would like to see and have done a lot of research on is the state boating launch that we have in Canandaigua. So when that was actually developed years and years ago, um, it, they should have limited the number of boats that come in. So what happens is people come in, and I, I think it's great that everybody comes in and uses our lake, but I think that it's overused on the weekends. And we should have a limit because what happens is everybody parks at Kershaw. And they and it's literally not good for the water quality. Let me just put it that way, in a nice way. Um, so if you go down the lake, the water quality is so much better. Mm-hmm. The other thing that we need to do, I know that we did a huge study and project on integrated pest management mm-hmm. and pesticides, et cetera. 
Um, it's important to follow Cornell's integrated pest management. So when you look around our watershed, 70% of it is in um, is agriculture, mm -hmm. which obviously we're going to use fertilizers, all kinds of things that are going to flow into the lake. Somehow we need to find a way, and I know the watershed is working, working on this, yeah. to stop some of that water, um, some of that runoff right. from coming into our lakes. So... Uh, as we sort of progress through the, the environmental issues, um, obviously having two large landfills in, mm -hmm. uh, in Ontario and Seneca County, um, two of the largest landfills, I should say, uh, is pretty much a, a constant flashpoint. Um, what is the role, do you think, of an assembly person who is, is limited in terms of what they can actually do about whether the landfill is or isn't operating there. What what do you think the the goal and sort of the day-to-day uh, -day legislating on that topic should be uh, for an assembly person? You know, that, that's an excellent question. And when I look at um, the landfill in Flint, which I've been there and done a tour of it, et cetera, and I see that our, our counties are getting less and less revenue from the state. Mm -hmm. So therefore, they are taking in garbage, should I say, yeah. and landfill landfill material mm -hmm. from downstate because they don't have any place to do it, but they're having to do it because of revenue. So again, I have, would have to go back to the fact that I would start right at the beginning and say, first of all, our taxes are too high Second of all, why is upstate not getting the revenue that we used to get? And then third of all, stop taking so much of our money. And then maybe we could get to a point where we don't have to take this, this, the material from downstate. But more importantly, let's let downstate come up with a solution that they have for their own. I mean, sending it out to sea on a barge is, is really not good. Um, you did, one program that we've done in Canandaigua is, is we've really in, uh, are working on inspiring uh, recycling. Mm -hmm. So we bought the big, great big 96-gallon totes for everybody, right. and we encourage them to fill them. And so what happens with that is that our landfill use is, is going down. So I would hope that we could continue to spread programs like that across our region. And, you know, to get downstate to do something like that would be great. We need to encourage the recycling versus the throwing away. One of the, the topics that we, we've seen come up quite a bit on social media, especially over the last several weeks with a lot of talk about the coronavirus, of course, is uh, health care in general and access to it in some of the more rural parts of, mm -hmm. of the Finger Lakes. Um, what, what can be done or what would you like to see done in Albany to sort of maybe reverse this trend a little bit where it seems like there are fewer and fewer uh, primary care doctors, as an example. That is so true. And now sort of turn it back so that there is sort of restore some of that access. Is it a workforce development issue or do you see it as, as sort of a regulatory issue that's preventing some of these folks from, you know, opening up family medicine operations and things like that uh, in, the, in uh, these parts of the area? Excellent question, as I am looking for a family doctor myself because we don't have one. 
anymore. Um, you know, I think I think it's both parts. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's regulation. I think malpractice insurance is outrageous in New York State. So we have, you know, why would a doctor want to come here to, you know, pay exorbitant amounts of malpractice insurance and be regulated to death by New York State? New York State has just passed new laws, so um, you have to sign a contract now to, uh, in order to have, um, oh, um, it's not narcotics, but a certain type of drug. I'm, I'm sorry, the name mm-hmm. escapes me. It's, it's gotten, they're just regulating every piece of our life. And to tell you the truth, I am so tired of it. I want to make choices on my own. So I I have to tell you about an experience. Uh, Before I came here, I went to visit um, the, remember the old hospital in in Canandaigua? The whole basement floor is all um, service providers, and it's it's all free. And it's for anyone. It's not restricted to anyone. There's CareNet. There's Jordan Health, which is a fabulous um, resource for people. They have dental care they're referred to all, you know all different things Vincent de Paul where you can just come in and go shopping if you need clothes it is a wonderful wonderful resource and for rural areas even though the city of Canandaigua is a city but you know obviously we have a lot but the of hospital people. is serving a, right. a very rural community outside of right. Canandaigua and we do have three wonderful hospitals in this district mm-hmm. um, and the great thing is is I see terrific growth in the two, the Clifton Springs and the uh, Thompson, which I which I visit, um, and so it's great to see. I think the mergers are probably good, with an infusion of capital. But on the other hand, you're you're losing that small town doctor feeling, and we're losing a lot of doctors. Mm-hmm. So you're right. What can Albany do? We let's let's put a task force together. Let's figure it out. Healthcare is a huge issue. When you look at economic development and the way the state has done it so far, um, it tends to be mixed reviews. Obviously, a lot of the communities that have won the $10 million in the DRI feel great about the way economic development mm-hmm. works, but there are a lot of others who, who aren't feeling as good about it. Um, where do you land in the way economic development is approached right now uh, versus the way it was five, six, seven years ago before the DRI you know, mm-hmm. process really got underway? And what would you like to see maybe change um, to perhaps spread some of the wealth around beyond just a couple sort of uh, pinpointed communities? I think you just hit it, the mm-hmm. nail right on the head with that. Spread it around to more communities. So the city of Canandaigua has applied four or five times for the DIR, <coughs> DIR, uh, DIR and has not, um, not gotten it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, always finish second or third. You know, and these these and these programs are great, but really, I think that you don't have to spend a lot of money to go have a, this whole uh, grant. Basically, it's like a grant put together, a whole project put together to say, "Hey, I need the ten million dollars." You know, let's look at all the need up here in this in the um, in this region. There's so much need for so many different communities, and instead of giving the 10 million dollars to revitalize your downtown project i would really like to see them say you know what we may we're going to increase your chips fund 
so you can uh, improve some of your infrastructure. Or we're going to give you money towards, you know, sidewalk repair. We're going to give you money towards lowering your taxes. We're going to, I mean, the governor right now is proposing because the Medicaid bill has blown up and it's so far in debt. It's six, it's Medicaid itself is four billion in debt. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the proposed budget is a six billion dollar deficit. So in Ontario County, for example, their whole Medicaid bill is fifty million dollars. The taxpayers pay fifty four percent of that, twenty seven million dollars. Mm-hmm. So now he says, "Oh, guess what? We gotta close this deficit. It doesn't matter that I mismanaged." the whole project and too much money went to the wrong places. But let's let's go ahead and uh, we're gonna give you less Medicaid money so that your county taxpayers can kick in more. That's not right. So instead of, I think that economic development is essential. Most communities have a great economic development team put together to mm-hmm. help bring it in. But with all the excessive regulation, the high taxes, I mean, it is like climbing a brick wall without a rope. Mm-hmm. And, and where does the workforce development piece fit in? Because it seems like one of the, if you talk to anyone who's running a small business, uh, the, the criticism is frequently, look, we have X number of open positions and we don't have anyone to fill them. Mm-hmm. Um, is it, I mean, of course, we see the headlines that, you know, New York State is losing population but to that end, what do you think Albany could maybe do differently to help the workforce development issue that a lot of these smaller, more rural communities are dealing with right now? You know, that, that's a great point. When I was uh, visiting the, the centers today, there was a, a poster on the board about a workforce, uh, I don't want to say task force, but a workforce group mm-hmm. that helped you to go in to see what job may, you may be more suited for, show you different jobs that were available. And I, I think more programs like that would be really good. Um, it's I've been looking for training programs, I know, for my son. And I just am not seeing them like I used to years and years ago. So and it, it seems like there is a huge push. Everybody needs to go to college and get a job. And so once you have... $100,000 in student debt, you can't go work for minimum wage or barely or part-time or whatever. I know that uh, Pactive that's um, in Canandaigua, they are constantly looking for people. They cannot get enough people to fill all the positions they have. And, I, and I'm, I'm really not sure why. The jobs are there, the people were there, so how do we bring them together? So as you look forward, obviously you've got petition passing time, and then you're mm-hmm. going to have to really start hitting the uh, hitting the campaign trail hard. Um, what what sort of events or what opportunities do you have for for uh, potential voters to uh, meet you, talk to you, uh, get to know some of your campaign uh, uh, promises, points? Uh, walk us through what you have coming up, or at least what resources are available for anybody who is listening sure. uh, from around the district. Um, well, all of my contact information is on my Facebook, which is um, Cindy Wade for Assembly. I do have a website coming. We have the domain, which is Cindy Wade for Assembly.com. 
Um, it is not up and running yet, but we are working on that. And I encourage anyone to reach out, give me a call. Love to meet people for coffee. I've been um, going to all the different towns and, and meeting with their committees. I've met with several different groups that have actually reached out to me to, you know, to tell me about their, what they're supporting, and I'm learning a ton. It's, it's great. And it's so, really, I would love for people just to reach out to me. You can do it uh, via Facebook. My phone number is on there. You know, be, feel free to give me a call. Happy to meet with anybody, anytime. I'll be at uh, several different parades, um, several different openings. We have multiple different events coming up, so I will be there. All right, good stuff. Cindy, thanks so much for taking the time. Thank you, Josh. Thanks for listening or watching. Inside the FLX is a production of FingerLakes1.com Digital Media. It's presented by FL1 News and hosted by me, Josh Durso. New episodes are released on demand each week on FingerLakes1.com or the FingerLakes1.com app. You can also catch episodes anywhere you find podcasts. If you have an idea for an episode or question you'd like answered on the show, visit InsideTheFLX.com to submit it. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.